Do you recognize any faces in those two videos? There's some familiar faces. I don't know if you caught the first video, but our pastor, uh, campus pastor from Miriam Ray, made that first video that was professionally shot for the NAM organization that is ascending church organization. And as Kelly mentioned earlier, like we are a church that makes disciples who makes disciples. So also we can be said of a church that plants churches that plants churches. And so what's kind of exciting about today, not that I'm up here, but I mean, I'm, it's a privilege, but what's exciting about today is Miriam is turning one. So I know they can't hear us, but yeah, isn't that awesome? It's hard to believe too. Not only that, so this is where Pastor Matt and some of the other uh, people are, is Loma Vista is having their first preview service, and they launch in just a matter of Sundays. And so that is exciting what God is doing. Well, my name is Curtis, and I'm one of the pastors here at New City Church, and it is a privilege to be able to be in this role on this platform this morning and to deliver the message. Um, And to be honest with you, when they told me that I had the chapter on worship, um, I was excited But I also was like, man, this could be challenging. Like, how can I cram all my passions and desires and what I read and what I've experienced into 30 minutes? You know, because technically, in my opinion, I think we could make a 30-week series just alone on worship. And so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, But that could be said, too, of a lot of the other things we're going to talk about. So I'm not trying to elevate, but there is an importance to what we're going to talk about. And so... um, If you are checking us out for the first time today, first of all, we are glad to see you. I've met some new people this morning, seen some uh, new faces, and so this is just awesome. And so if you're checking us out, like, here's the deal. It's like, we're in a 30-week series called Believe, and it's not too late. We just wrapped up the first set of 10, and it's not too late to go get a Believe book or join a Believe group. So like, if you're like, I don't know if I can join a Believe group, I just don't know if I like people quite like that yet. That's fine. Like, if you want to track with us, just go purchase the book in the back of the lobby, and like, it's a great book. It'll, you'll be better for it because you can be tracking with us, and it's, it's primarily scripture, so you can't go wrong with reading scripture, Amen. And so it's not too late to do that. And so just kind of to, to fill you in, for those of you that might not know, like the first set of 10, like I talked about, we wrapped up last week. Those kind of dealt with the key um, beliefs that we, we believe in a Christian life, okay? So those were the key belief statements. And they always, they would together would answer a question, what do I believe? And so this week we're starting the next key or the next 10 um, sections, if you will, or next section. I'm stumbling over my words, but these will talk about the key practices. Okay, so key beliefs is what we just did. We're in these key practices and they answer the question, um, what should I do? So if I know what I believe, well now how should that shape what I do? from what I believe, if that makes sense. And so today we are starting um, that off. And and as we looked at the bumper video uh, right before I spoke is like we tried to convey that, that, that as you see, this should be and can be a rhythm that we do throughout our day-to-day lives. And that's what we tried to convey, like through eating, through, through teaching, through speaking, through wherever you go, through worship. All these can be um, impacted in your day-to-day life. And so we want to start off this, as, as we read this last week in our books, for those of us that read the chapter, we want to start off with the, the key question this week. And so the key question is this, how do I honor God in the way he deserves? How do I honor him 
in the way he deserves. And our key idea that answers that question, I'm going to ask for you to say it with me, is this. Ah, ah, ah. Let's change. There we go. Speak. I... right. So that's the key statement to the question. I worship God for who he is and what he has done for me. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we start this first set of 10 practices of, of what I do with worship. I mean, when you think about it, go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created. So God is the start of everything, okay? And so it's natural that our first response, our first key action, should be worship, if that makes sense. And that's what's so powerful about this. If you have never read the book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, I highly recommend it to put it on your reading list. This was one of my textbooks growing up, or growing up in college, um, and it's been super impactful to me today. Like, I'm always remembering this. And in this, this book, it's like, it's 40 chapters, so it's meant to be done through 40 days, but like, he lists the five purposes that we were created and what we were created for and what is the first purpose? Can you guess it? Okay, you guys, you guys kind of knew it. This, these people were waiting for you. The first purpose of why we were created was worship, because it is to give him pleasure, to give God pleasure. Amen. Let's look at Genesis 1.27, where he says, where it says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was good. That's right. He saw all that he had made, and it was good. We were created to bring him pleasure. So we see why it is important, and that it comes first. Um, but we haven't answered the question, well, what is worship? Because this is a loaded a word that can mean so many different things. And this past week, I, I wanted to get some engagement, and so I posted on our Facebook page that, hey, what, is, what does worship mean to you? And I got some good responses. I want to read a few of these this morning. So David said this. <clears throat> he said, it's, it's, worship is a lifestyle. It's my spiritual weapon. I love that terminology right there. So my spiritual weapon that I use to fight my battles. And he quotes Psalm 22, 3. You are holy, O O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. He goes on to say, worship isn't simply an event or a place. It's an orientation. It's a way of life. It's the result of our decision to exalt God above everything else. In fact, I, I commented back to him. I was like, hey, man, why don't you just give the sermon today? Because you have some good stuff going right there, and I love it. Um, Hannah said this. Um, oh, she said many things. Sorry. I, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. Didn't mean it that way. She said, worship is about an intimate moment between me and God. It can be in the form of prayer a song, or whatever puts me in an intimate and intentional time with God. 
I love what Tammy said too. She says, in nature, it's appreciating all he created in prayer. It's thanking him for all he is and all he provides. In song, singing many songs, including my new favorite one, Raise a Hallelujah. It's a pretty powerful song right there, and it just may, just may be something in the works for us. Um, she said, in dance, I used to do liturgical dance at a previous church, and, and now I just dance before the Lord in my home. In the quiet stillness of abiding in him in my special chair, in the car, on my way to work. Do you see what's going on here? It's a lifestyle, it's a pattern. It should be done in the rhythms of your day-to-day life. So thank you guys for, for participating in that. <clears throat> so let's look at what the actual word means, because those are all great uh, aspects of what worship means to each and every one of us, and they're all right, so you all get an A. But let's look at what the word means, and, and this may not be any new information for some of you, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. Worship comes from the word worth-ship. And worthship literally means the act of ascribing worth to something or someone. Or I said that backwards. The act of ascribing worth to someone or something. So in light of that definition, let's like kind of make that your, your lens over your eyes this morning. In light of that definition, we all worship something. You may not believe me with that, but it's true. We all worship something. Now, I, I'm being brave today, and I wore my KU shirt, even though I'm in mourning. Um, and, and I will say hallelujah to Jesus. Like, I see a sign of spiritual maturity. Normally, when they lose in the tournament, I usually have to take about a two-hour drive to uh, express my rage and not let my little kids hear everything I'm saying. Um, try not to, to be too destructive with things. But that's usually where I'm at. And last night was totally different. Like, I, I grieved for a, a mere minute and maybe said, well, that sucks. And okay, turned the TV off and went to bed. So, like, thank you, Jesus, for growing me up in that because but if you watched any of the games um here's the thing is like that crowd was crazy I mean like people you know and I've got to go to several KU games in Allen Fieldhouse and there's no other place like it in my opinion like it's just crazy I've lost I've almost lost my voice me and Jeremy in the back we got to go to a game last year thanks to Brandon and like him and <laughs> him and me, like we were crazy. Like, like it's almost convicting because, like, man, do I get that crazy in my worship on Sunday morning? So it is convicting when you look at it that way. If you've gone to a Chiefs game, like Arrowhead, my goodness, like it's remarkable. And so my point is, is we all worship something, and really we don't need to be taught how to worship. You know, we don't need any classes on how to worship. It's, it's inside of us to give worth to something, to get crazy over something. Um, and so, if that's the what, or let me back up, like, we need, we need to worship God more than he needs our worship, okay? Because he doesn't need it. He desires it. And he craves it, but like it's, it's really we need to worship him more than he needs it himself. And so if that's the what, um, then let's ask the question how, okay? So how, how do I worship? But before we can arrive at the how, I feel it is important to know the why. And 
disclaimer here, like I know Pastor Matt probably gets annoyed with me sometimes because I am that guy in staff meetings that I'm always asking, well, why are we doing that? Why is this? Why is that? And they probably just want to like shut me up or something. But like I am, maybe it's the prophet in me or something, but like I am, I want to know the why of things. And so to say it even better than I'm trying to say it, let's watch this, this clip. This is a Christian comedian called Michael Jr., and he's, he's a great speaker and book writer. And so let's watch this clip together. Isn't that good? That's so true, though. And you are dismissed. Uh, no, that's so true, though. And so to let you know, like, a little bit of how this plays out in my context as the worship arts director here at New City Church, because that is what I'm called to do, I'm paid to do, and I love it. So thankful for it. Like, our mission as New City Church is to inspire you to trust in and live like Jesus. And so in my opinion, like, I'm not saying you couldn't, but like every ministry in this church could just slap that as their mission statement if they wanted to. But I think like everything that we do needs to be important and needs to support our why as a church. And so our why as a worship arts team, we came up with this about a year ago and we put a lot of thought and prayer into it and it says this, our why is to creating, creating experiences and modeling lifestyles of worship where people encounter Jesus and are changed. Let me say that again, creating and modeling lifestyles of worship where people encounter, encounter Jesus and are changed. Because here's what I could do. I could pick up this beautiful Breedlove guitar that Brandon has let me borrow. I could pick this up. I could maybe play to some of my strengths. This isn't a tap on the back by any means. But I could pick up the guitar and I could create an experience for you. And maybe it might be a little moving. But I know my limitations. And I know that at the end of the day, I am not that good without the power of Jesus in things. Okay? And so what's the point of doing that? And so that's why... We said that mission statement, creating experiences, because yes, we're here to create experiences that hopefully minimize distractions, because everything done in this service, you probably don't know, we have a service sheet. And there's a why behind this, because we don't like, oh, let's just throw this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. There's intentionality in everything that is done here today. So we're trying to create an experience, but the the flip side of that is very important, where people encounter Jesus and are changed. Not Curtis, not Christine, not Pastor Matt, not the list could go on. We are instruments of that, but we are not... Here's another thing, like this isn't my notes, I'm not going to digress too much. But when people say, thank you so much for ushering us into the presence and the throne room of God, I cringe a little, okay? I know what their heart is. I know the heart is right, but that's not my job. I am supposed to point people, we are supposed to point people to the person that ushers people into the throne room of God. Does that make sense? We're instruments, we're tools, but our why is important and what we do matters. And that's why we are pointing people to Jesus and he is the one. He is the one that will create the change, not me. And so that's the why. We even, we even took it a step further and we changed some of our language. Like we said, hey, we're no longer going to call ourselves the worship team. 
we're going to change it to the music team. And I remember even getting a lot of flack for that, or some flack for that from people. I don't know why you're doing that, because that seems like you're taking the spiritualness out of it. And I'm like, here's the why. Because we intentionally call the team of musicians that leads the congregation in song the music team. This team includes those who are leading on a stage as well as the visual worship leaders we refer to as the audio and visual techs. Each role plays an integral part of creating space on Sunday morning to allow the spirit to move. So that is why, because worship has been diluted to the singing portion or a genre of music or you name it. And so that's why there's so much importance to knowing your why and being intentional with what you say. I think I've given that point enough emphasis. And so how, the next question is how and when to worship. How and when to worship. You see, I just made the point that worship is a lifestyle, and hopefully that challenged us not to reduce worship to certain categories alone. But in light of what in light of that, we could spend, I mean, hours talking about ways to worship. I mean, if you just look at Colossians 3.17, it says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. But let's not mistake this right here, okay? Let's not mistake, it is a lot about music. And I have a why for that. I have a reason for that. Now look at verse 16. So we just read verse 17, but back up a verse. Verse 16 of Colossians 3, it says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through what? Psalms hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Also look at Ephesians 5.18 with me. I have this on the screen. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with the same thing, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And so what's so powerful about these two verses, and again, this could be a whole other sermon. I listened to a sermon from Bethel like several years ago, and and it was so powerful. And so I'm going to just give you the snippets. There's three main verses in the, the New Testament. I mean, there's probably more, but there's three really main ones that focus on this aspect of worship and music that I'm getting at, okay? And so... Like, if you look at John 4.24, so this is the story with the woman at the well, and, and, and here's what Jesus says in verse 23, I beg your pardon, not 24, 23 says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. So we see spirit and in truth. So did you catch this? Here's the, the correlation. The Colossians verse. It says what? Let the message or let the truth of God dwell in you. And what's the outcome? It's singing psalms and psalms and songs and songs of the Spirit. It's kind of hard to say. You know? So then also look at uh, the Ephesians passage. It says, let the Spirit Dwell, on, dwell in you, and the outcome is songs and psalms and s- songs of the Spirit. 
And so that's what makes this so important. And so why does God use music and singing as the primary expression of the spiritual practice of worship? God hardwired us for music and singing. In fact, modern research is, pro- is proving this like never before. They are calling music the secret language of the heart. And so you may not know this. I'm going to kind of geek out a little bit, and I'll, I'll let you read more on this if you'd like. But when we sing, here's what the research is saying. When we sing, it has the potential to release a bonding hormone called oxytocin. And what this does, it's, it's referred, or what it's referred to as the cuddle hormone. And so think of it like this. I mean, think of it when a, a mom or a dad sings a lullaby to their baby. That's what we're talking about. Like, it has this soothing, calming, and many of you have probably done this. So let's, let's zoom out a little more. Our daddy... Our Abba Father, when we sing and make music to him, can you just picture, it's like him wrapping his arms and cuddling you close to his chest. That's what's happening. So it is very important to, to look at this. If you'd like to, to um, look more on this, because it, it talks about how music can invoke the deepest emotions. Um, it helps people process grief, sadness, resentment, all these several emotions. And so this article you can be found at this website right there. So basically, if you type in www.consciouslifestylemag.com slash music, and even if you stop there, it'll get you there because I tried it. But very interesting um, stuff to, to read and dive in more depth if you would like to do that. I've always been intrigued by the story of Saul and David, and maybe it's because <clears throat> music is such and has always been such a big part of my life, but um, I feel like this is so powerful to point out in regards to the effect of music and how it has or what it can have. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16, 14 through 23 together, and here's what it says. It says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul... And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit uh, from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when that evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered and said, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and is a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and skin of wine and a young goat and sent him to his son. I'm going to skip on down because here's, here's what the verse I really want to get at. That's the story of it. But verse 31 is, or verse 23 says this. Whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. Did you catch everything happening there? Not only would his physical well-being improve and change, but we see his spiritual 
connotation would change too. And, and I think there's importance to this because it's not like, like David is significant in this too. So hear this out. Like David probably was just playing instrumental music. He probably wasn't even singing. But yet David is doing what he was anointed to do. He was doing what was natural for him to do. This was a lot of how he would spend his vertical worship time with God when he would be watching his sheep. He would just get out that lyre and he would just play. And that was his personal time. And so God used that. But because he used that, it affected and it totally changed Saul's physical and spiritual and probably even emotional well-being. I just feel like that's so powerful to to take note of. And so the truth is, we don't need many classes on how to worship. As I, I said earlier about joking about Allen Fieldhouse and, and going to Arrowhead, like we, it's hardwired in us. We know how to worship. But the real key is not in the how, but it's in the who. And so we're gonna, I'm going to start to kind of wrap up this morning and we did things intentionally this morning where we just did one song on the front and we did, we're going to do the rest on the back. And it's to give you guys space to lean in and to really focus on worship and, and how it plays out in your, in your frame of reference. You see, recently God has really been highlighting the area of warfare to me in terms of worship. Worship as a weapon. Worship as spiritual warfare. And a lot of it's because, you know, of the situation with the guitars being taken. You know, like, I, I, of course, that really frustrated me, even though in light of everything, that's one small little thing that happened to me. But, like, part of it was, like, you know, I used these, these instruments as weapons to engage in warfare because countless times they had been used to give praise and lift up high the name of Jesus. And so... But God, through all this, he really has reminded me that I don't need, <clears throat> I don't need these instruments to wage war. I didn't need them to continue to bring light into the darkness. You see, my weapon, my weapon can be a melody that is sung. My weapon is taking thoughts captive and making them submissive to the truth of Christ. My weapon is a spiritual posture in the midst of light and momentary afflictions that even though they seem big to me at the time, even though they seem big to us at the time, they're producing something in us. They're producing an eternal weight of glory. That's our weapons. That's how you can worship. And so there's three main ways, because we've talked about several, right? But there's three main ways that we're going to give you guys this morning, if you so choose to. And the first is, is a personal reflection and prayer. As I mentioned in the New City Worship Arts mission statement, like, I want to do my best to model it, okay? And so for the first few minutes... I am going to peel back the curtain a little bit of how this looks like for me in my times of private worship. Because I have heard it said that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. I don't know if you've heard that before, but the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And so, like, I'm going to kind of model a little bit. And so for the first few minutes um, of the rest of our service, 
I'm going to just pick up the guitar and kind of just allow us to create this, think of a cross, going to allow us to create this, this vertical beam to see how the, pass, the passageways are, if they're cleared or not, in us relating to our Heavenly Father. And so in that time, you can, you can sit in your chair, you can close your eyes, you can pray, you can come forward and pray, whatever. But I just want it to be intentional to focus on the personal side of worship. And then after a little bit, we'll, we'll be able to give together. Because that's a very important part of worship, as we talked about, in, in, or as we looked at the, even one of the videos, like what our giving goes to, it matters. And so us being able to give to God in order to advance his kingdom is an act of worship. And so to, to, to hit that point just a little bit more, I want to read Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. David wrote this after one of his huge, most hugest, if that's a word, <laughs> huge, um, his shortcomings and his, his sin with the whole Bathsheba side of things. And here's what he writes in light of sacrifice and offerings, okay? He writes verse 16 of chapter 51, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. In her book, Up With Worship, this is another textbook I read in college, Annie Ortland has a chapter called Worship is Fundamentally, Fundamentally an Offering. And here's what she says. She says, sometimes you may be critically busy when every minute of the day is precious to get something done. Well, drag that lamb of two hours' time and come to God's house. Sometimes you may be drained of emotion just the same. Drag that lamb of verbalized praise to church and offer it there. Sometimes you'll be low on finances. Get together your sacrificial sacrificial gift and drag that lamb to the Lord's house. You say you didn't get anything out of church. Well, he's supposed to more than you. Bring to him your consistent sacrificial gift of worship and drag that lamb. And then lastly, we're going to focus on corporate. Personal, giving, and corporate. These are the three areas. And I love what our elder, Greg Peterson, says. Like, he, he makes the point of, to say this to me quite often, and I love this. Like, the only ministry in heaven, you know what the only ministry that, that will be in heaven is? Exactly. The worship ministry. I mean, think about it. At that time, we will no longer need preaching. We will no longer need evangelism. We will no longer need the looking after the widows and the orphans. We will no longer need, you fill in the blank, all that we will be doing is worshiping our Heavenly Father. And so that's why I feel like it's so important for us to pay attention to these things because we have... A template, and we have a, a guide map technically of what we will be doing. If you look at Revelation 4 and 5, particularly, like it talks about who's going to be around the throne, it talks about what we're going to be saying, what we're going to be singing. And so, I always view what we do here on Sunday in the corporate setting as choir practice. 
So warm up your vocal cords and be prepared for what we're going to sing. But, so to kind of to wrap us up, God, I just pray that you, you use the remainder of this service. God, I pray for freedom in this place. That's what I've been reminded of. Like, God, that you just break down walls of insecurity. God, I long to see a church that worships you like David. And hear me, not in our underwear. <laughs> but with that reckless abandon of... Uh, he said, I will be even more undignified than this. God, I long to see that among us. That it's so much more than just what we're singing on stage. It's so much more than just filling a pew. God, it's so much more than that. And I know for everybody it looks different. And it's not me up here trying to say, hey, this is how you must worship. It must look exactly like Curtis does it. But what's in our hearts? What is our heart saying right now? What is blocking us from that abandonment to worship you no matter what people think? We love you, Jesus. So for the next few minutes, just meditate.